All right, now you can pull out your crosswalk notes and we'll get into our message for today. Um, you can get your pens out, take some notes maybe. So I am extremely grateful that we're doing this message series, Heaven Is. Extremely grateful because heaven is, it's, it's the ultimate victory party. It's the highlight of what God has in store for us. And the truth is, is that at the same time, there are so many misconceptions when it comes to heaven. Things that the Bible does not say <laughs> that are kind of in our, in our culture. And this week I was reminded two times that at some point every single person is going to have to face this reality of death and what comes after in some way or another. And, and one of those was I, I attended the memorial service of a principal here in Levine of MC Cash. She was there for 16 years and died in a car accident a couple weeks ago. And was just loved. And you saw all the families of the school there. And you saw the administration there. And you know, and I heard tons of conversations going on about death, about the afterlife, and I'm sure lots of conversations are being had in, in the homes of those families and at that school. Another example, um, this happens all the time actually, is so I was talking with someone who's, who's not connected to Crosswalk, but uh, they were maybe going to help us in this FIDA family effort, and uh, they, they weren't sure if they could, and you could tell he kind of felt bad about it because he said, oh, you know, man, I'm just like everyone, I'm trying to get into heaven here, and I want to help this church out. If I say no to helping this church, of course I won't make it. So there's, there's these thoughts that, that are in our culture, right? And here's my prayer for this series. My prayer is that this series sparks conversations in your family, at your work, in your neighborhood, with your friends, and especially with people who don't know the truth about heaven and maybe don't know who Jesus is. So what I, what I want to uh, first address, that if, if heaven is coming, who gets to go? And I want to talk about some of those misconceptions because they're, they're in our culture and sometimes they, they affect us, even, even believers. And the first misconception is that good people get to go to heaven. If you go to a funeral of someone who's done a lot for their country or their community, you'll hear phrases like, they're in a better place. They were such a good person. I think we first got to say the problem with that viewpoint, though, is how good is good enough. And, and if you believe that, that good people go to heaven, then you kind of have to believe the opposite, that bad people don't. So how bad is too bad? Because I'm kind of asking for a friend. If we start counting up good and bad, it gets a little muddy, doesn't it? And, and the truth is, is the Bible's really clear about this one. Um, and it's actually a comforting thing, but it's a little shocking too, that the Bible says nothing impure will ever enter heaven or come out of it. That heaven is reserved for complete perfection, for complete purity. So you gotta be perfect to, to be in heaven. 
And, and the Bible also says this, that if you fulfill all of God's commands and stumble at one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. That, that's the devastation of sin. And so we, we look at that one and it's like, I, I don't know. The second misconception. All people go to heaven. How could a loving God ever send someone to hell? You know, about this, it's what, what's interesting is, is, especially if you're a Christ follower, you know who talks more about hell than anyone in the Bible? Jesus. And he's very descriptive in what hell, hell is like. Now, now later, we're going to talk about this tension between hell being a real place and people will be there, and the tension that the Bible does say God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. No one goes to hell where God wants that to happen. And we'll talk more about that later. Third misconception. This most ties into our message for today, and I think it's most prevalent in our society. No one goes to heaven because heaven doesn't exist. This is all there is. Heaven is for the weak. It's this idea, you know, it's a crutch so that at a funeral you'll cry less. Let's just wake up. This is it. It's all we got. Live for today. Go make heaven out of this life. Now, a couple things with this, even before I talk about what the Bible says, it's interesting. Since the beginning of time, every people group from all over the world all have an idea of the afterlife. This, this longing for eternity is not just something drummed up in the last hundred years. Since the beginning of time, humans have longed for eternity. And to just like throw that under the rug, like, ah, no, don't, don't pay attention to that. And then we get to what the Bible says, and that's where we're going to spend our time today. The Bible makes it clear that this life isn't heaven. And I'm sure glad that that's the case. So what does the Bible say about who gets to go to heaven? Today, we're going to dig into two different sections. First, we're going to dig into Revelation. And then we're going to dig into the book of Matthew. And just a reminder, Revelation is a book that has a lot of symbolism in it. Whenever you read a book of the Bible, you have to know who is written for and what the type of book it is. So Revelation is very symbolic. Uh, the apostle John wrote it. God gave him a vision of the end times and of heaven. And the question is, why did God make it symbolic? You know, you can't read God's mind, but I have a theory. He knows us. He knows that we like to investigate things and research things out and, and find out mysteries. So he gives us this beautiful book with a lot of symbolism that you can understand when you understand the symbolism. And it doesn't say anything different from the rest of the Bible. It just confirms what the rest of the Bible says. So let's dig into Revelation. Revelation chapter 7, 9 to 10, and then 13 to 14. Here we go. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So this is a vision of heaven and and who's in heaven. And John sees a multitude of people from all over the world dressed in white, shouting praises to the lamb who is Jesus. And they're holding palm branches in their hands. And then it explains um, who these people in white robes are, who, who these believers are, the people in heaven. It says they've come out of the great tribulation and they've washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and have made them white in the blood of the lamb. So let's start kind of from the reverse here. The great tribulation. And it has everything to do with today's message. What is the great tribulation? Welcome to the great tribulation. It's here and now. It's, it's this life. As soon as Jesus came to, came to earth to live and die for us, that ushered in the end times. That ushered in the great tribulation. And, and the truth is, I think for many of us, we, we have no problem putting that, that term to this life. And maybe you're going through a great tribulation right now. That word tribulation means great suffering and pain. And so you add great to that definition. Now you have great, great suffering and pain. And perhaps you've been at a time in your life or it's now where you just didn't know if you can make it through and you feel defeated by the pain of life. That life is hard. That there's shame and there's guilt and there's regrets and there's suffering, and it's real. The good news is, is what these verses say is that you don't just have to go through the tribulation. It says you will come out of it. That those dressed in white will come out of it. You see, it's so important, this symbolism, because the people are holding palm branches. And you know what palm branches signified? at this time period, victory and triumph. This vision of heaven was a victory party. Just as Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with palm branches as the king, that's what was going on here, celebrating the Lamb's victory. So here's our first villain. If heaven is coming, who gets to go? Anyone who claims the Lamb's victory over sin, death, and the devil as their own. You see, that's why it's such a great tribulation is those three, the unholy trinity, sin, death, and the devil. Your own sinful nature causes you pain. The death of a loved one, knowing your own death is coming, causes you pain. And then the devil, who wants to keep you separated from God. And that's what the victory is over. And the good news is, as it says here, it's not dependent upon your efforts. God doesn't say, go and win. He sent someone to win you. And that's why Jesus gets all the glory. You simply claim that victory through faith. 
That's who goes to heaven. So let's, let's get the next fill in looking at these verses too. People in heaven will look different from each other, but will be dressed the same in Christ's righteousness. Here's what's awesome is you go to heaven and you're going to see people from every tribe, from every nation, speaking every language. This shows that there's not one people group that has more advantage with God than the other. This shows that, that, that everyone is equally struggling with sin and, and God's grace and forgiveness works equally powerful among people everywhere of all time. Shows that God loves diversity. It shows that, that the way that uh, we'll have heaven to experience the, the glory of the beauty of God's creative power. And also at the same time, here's what's comforting. You'll see diversity and you will see that everyone also looks very similar. And that's where the white robes come in. This is so cool where it says they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. What the heck? I thought blood stains. Not Jesus' blood. It purifies. It cleanses. No matter what you've done, it makes you clean. And you see what it's saying is, is his blood shed on the cross where he made the sacrifice for all mankind that's what makes us right with God. That's the righteousness that we need and that it's yours through faith. So who gets to go to heaven? Those who claim the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that, that's what it says in, in, the, in other verses, Romans 3.22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So now let's, let's move on into Revelation still in this chapter here, to talk a little bit about what this victory party is gonna be like. So let's look here. It says here in verse 11, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. You know, people always ask, what will heaven be like? And, and we're actually going to talk about that in future messages. But I think an important question is, what will I be like? What will I be like in heaven? That's that's what these verses talk about. And often the simple answer given is, oh, you will be perfect. But does it, that just doesn't cut it right now as far as, it's like a glossed over, it's like a glazed over when you say that. Like, what, is that, what does that mean? Right? Well, first looking at the symbolism here. So the elders represent the believers, okay? The four living creatures are a higher order of angels, and then you have angels in there. So basically saying everyone in heaven, the angels, us believers, will be joining in on the victory party. But it's important to point out, here's what's important to point out. This praising and this singing is not 
like rehearsed or commanded. It just naturally comes forth. It just spills over because it's, it's a victory party. And this shows us what heaven will be like and what will be like. So here's the first fill-in. When I get to heaven, what will I be like? I will be eternally grateful for God's salvation. Now, why is this important to understand what heaven will be like? I want you to think about the last time or the time in your life you were most grateful. I want you to think about that right now. Maybe a gift you were given, maybe something worked out really well and you were just so grateful. And I want you to think about what you were like at that moment. Any bitterness coming out? Any anger coming out? I'm going to guess no. When you are grateful, you know what happens? You get the best of us. You get the best of humanity when we're grateful. And, and, and to think about heaven is every single person is going to be grateful. Imagine dealing with people who are grateful all the time. And you yourself are grateful. Wow. How amazing that will be. Second thing, second fill in here. What does it say in these verses? As all this praise coming out, we'll be eternally joyful to God with other believers. So not just grateful, but joyful. And here's where I got to talk about, you know, at Crosswalk, I think we talk a lot about to don't look for happiness in life, look for joy. And what we mean is happiness is external circumstances. If my job's going well, my family's going well, things going well in my life, then I can be happy. And joy is based on deep truths, deep hope that will never be shaken. And here's the cool thing about heaven. You get both. You get joy knowing this, this great truth for all eternity that God has saved you, and you get happiness because your circumstances are pretty sweet for the rest of eternity. So you get happiness and joy in heaven. And then finally, the last film I want to put here, and this is also cool, is what will I be like? I will be a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ. Our mission statement here at Crosswalk is through the Holy Spirit's power to create fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, is while we're here in this life, we're fully developing always. We're never fully developed in this life because we still have a sinful nature. We're fully developing. Heaven, what you will be like, is constantly living by the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, complete fulfillment of all your purposes, of all your holy desires, that's what you'll be like. No shame, no guilt. Now, I wanted to illustrate these verses because, you know, Revelation does a great job of, of doing the symbolism, but what, you know, what does that look like to us? Because this victory party in heaven isn't just a victory party, it is the ultimate victory the ultimate comeback victory. And I say comeback victory because when sin entered this world, it sure looked like we're defeated. And if you look around in our life, it can sure seem like we're defeated, like there's no hope. 
And there's no party, there's no victory party like one where you thought you were going to lose. And then victory came. So now you get to see a little bit in, uh, in, in, in my head what's a victory party I'll always remember. And this goes back to when I was a sophomore in high school at Arizona Lutheran Academy, okay? And this was the quarterfinal for the boys' uh, state. So we still had two more games. And we ended up winning state that year, but this is the game that is seared in that team's brain. We were playing Fort Thomas, and... Um, I, I, I think it's still this way now. When I, when I was in high school, man, basketball was king on the reservation, okay? And so everyone, well, let's not play it yet. Oh, well, okay, we're going to play it. There we go. All right, I'll let, I'll let it run. Okay, so now I gotta set it up for you because it makes it even better. So with 46 seconds left, we're down by eight points. That is a lot of points, right? We're in the timeout. And so our coach, Doug Meyer, and, and some of you know him, he was really positive. But then it, what he just told me, I just found this out, is he, after the timeout's over, he turns to his assistant coach, who's none other than Jeff Gunn. <laughs> He's in his early 40s in that, in that video. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and, and he turns to Jeff Gunn and says, I didn't think our season was going to end this way. It was that bleak, right? And so we get on the court, and then it goes down to 26 seconds, and we're still down by eight. And the truth is, is everything had to go our way for us to win. And it did. They missed a bunch of free throws. We made some big shots. And then at that very end, one of my best friends, John Halverson, shot a three, got fouled. We're down by three. He sinks the first two. And now three seconds left on the clock, and he's shooting a free throw. And if he makes it, we're tied. If he misses it, we lose. And he shoots it, and it rolls around the rim and falls out. So you're like, no! And then you're like, yes! because he tips it in and then you go nuts. Now here's, here's what you didn't see because I didn't play it. You know, if you want to come over and watch like the rest 30 minutes. <laughs> and, and, and here's the deal is um, what you didn't see was the hugging and the crying. And, and I remember looking at this, I locked, watched this this weekend and there was people that I knew were not friends in high school that were talking and laughing. And it's like all the differences, all the bitterness went away because everyone was united under that victory. You saw that guy fist pump? That's Aaron Went. He was graduate. He was like three years gone already from the high school. And me, you didn't see me on the court playing. I was riding the pine, baby, but I didn't care. <laughs> when that ball went in the hoop, I won. And everyone in the crowd as well. And the thing that made that victory so sweet is because we thought we were going to lose. You see, when people think that heaven will be boring, 
I think we forget that heaven's going to be the ultimate comeback victory party. I'll tell you one thing. The last word to describe me in that moment was bored. And imagine the victory party over sin, over death, over the devil, over pain, over guilt, over shame. And so when we say that we'll be singing praises to God and, and it won't be forced, it'll be what happened in this video. If you watched it, people just started shouting, we want steak. ALA. No one rehearsed them. All right, we're going to sing now. We're going to shout. It just came out. And that's what heaven's going to be like. You will be so overwhelmed with joy and victory of the lamb that you will just, you can't help but just say, man, this is awesome. All right, now, shifting gears a little bit. Now we're going to get into the book of Matthew, okay? And there, there's a lot of verses here, and so we'll go kind of quick. But I think it's important because today's theme is this isn't it. And so this focuses more on how this life isn't heaven and why it's so important to keep close to Jesus because, friends, we want to get to heaven through faith in Jesus. So let's look at what Jesus says here. Book of Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. There's a lot here in these verses. And, and again, Jesus is communicating this life isn't heaven. There will be a final end to this world on judgment day when he comes. And he communicates that not everyone will go to heaven. That's the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. That's the separation. And Jesus communicates again. Do you see here that heaven isn't something you earn? Because what does he say to the sheep? You're blessed by my father Accept your inheritance. Inheritance isn't something that you earn. It's something someone else earned for you. You get, a, you get a benefit from it. And then as it continues, it shows that Jesus is communicating our time on earth here is very important and not to be wasted. Especially for those of us that have an eternal perspective and know that we've got the victory party coming. It makes our time on earth even that much more precious. You see, what Jesus is saying here in, in, in this teaching is he wants us to value what he values. Here on earth, he wants us to stay close to him. And that's why he connects serving, serving even the least of these with him. Because when we're close to, to Jesus through faith in him, guess what our heart is like? Grateful and joyful, just like we'll be like in heaven but right here now on earth. 
So what we'll be like in heaven is what God wants us to be like now through faith in him and through staying close to him. And notice that, that the righteous, they don't even know that they, they don't even think they should be praised. God, Jesus, what are you talking about? When did, when did we see you? And so what this shows us is that in heaven, guess what we won't be talking about? We won't be talking about, see all the great stuff I did back there on earth? No, we'll be so amazed at the grace of God, and that, that's, that's what will be the talk of the town. And this is what it means to have your life hidden in Christ. This is where true joy and gratefulness comes from when you're not thinking about yourself, and you're just happy to be there. That serving others with joy and gratefulness is just like breathing when, when you're close to Christ and when the love of Christ fills you up. Because that's what a grateful, joyful heart naturally does. So, so here's, the, here's the filling. This life isn't heaven. Heaven is our inheritance. As I look forward to eternity with Jesus, I value what he does right now. And that's serving others. So please, please don't trade temporary victory parties for the ultimate victory party in heaven. Jesus is saying, please don't, please don't go after success or love or reputation or pleasure and make that your ultimate victory. Because you know what happens when we make that our ultimate victory is we make ourselves the hero of our own story. And that's a role that you and I cannot, cannot fulfill. It's the role that Jesus can there's room for only one hero in your life. The one who loves you beyond your wildest imaginations. Don't trade a temporary victory party for the ultimate one. Stay close to Jesus. Value what he values. Let his grace change you and cause your life to be hidden in his. Because you know what? That celebration that I had on the court with all my friends, that's seared in my brain now. But I know when I get to heaven, I'm probably going to laugh at what a pitiful victory party that was when I'm in the presence of the king. Now let's keep going and, and hear G Jesus finish this teaching. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. These verses say a lot too. First, I want to point out that, that it says hell wasn't intended for humans. You see that? Hell was intended for the devil and his angels. That when they rebelled against God, that rebellion was meant, that hell was meant for them. And what Jesus is really describing here, what he's describing is a life that's separated from him. He's describing a person who doesn't want to be connected to
to God through him. And that's why it says the word cursed. It's not that God put a curse on people. It's that the curse of sin is on all of us. And if I don't want to stay connected to Jesus, if I don't want to claim his victory, I am still under that curse of sin. And so no matter how many less fortunate people I help, unless I am absolutely perfect in my thoughts, words, and actions from the day I'm born to the day I die, I'm still cursed. So this is talking about people who don't want to stay connected to Jesus. So let's, let's be clear. There's going to be lots of people who do nice things for, other, for others that aren't in heaven because they're not connected to Jesus. And Jesus isn't saying that you earn your way to heaven by taking care of the less fortunate. He's saying that all of life here and eternal life starts with a connection to him. That's why he connects him with serving others. Because he's the only one that satisfies the justice of God. A life lived without a connection to God, even a life of service, it's like parachuting without a parachute. It's skydiving without a parachute. So let's say you jump out of a plane and you don't have a parachute on. Someone jumps out of a plane skydiving and they've got one on. For a while, it'll look pretty much the same. Right? You're enjoying the rush. Woo! You're falling. You're both. Yep, it's the same. It's absolutely the same until the point comes where you need to be rescued, where you need to be saved, where the inevitable happens and the ground is closing in on you. And, and just what at that memorial I went for that principle and what happens every day is when you're faced with the end and you're faced with your guilt and you're faced with your shame. And if you're relying on just your own goodness, you go for the ripcord and nothing's there. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying something very profound about heaven and hell. What Jesus is really saying is that in the end, he's going to give everyone exactly what they wanted here on earth. That if you don't want Jesus in your life, you don't want a connection to God, you, you don't want his victory, you don't want his forgiveness, you don't want anything to do with God, God will give you what you want in the end. It will break his heart, but he'll do that. And the comforting thing is on the other end, <laughs> if you do know you need that ripcord and you do know you need that parachute and you desperately want Jesus' forgiveness and you want that victory party and you know he is the hero of your life and you want connection with him, he will grant that to you for eternity. For those of us, all of us, going through the great tribulation now that know we can't make it on our own, we have that parachute. We have that daily connection with Jesus and we'll have that connection with him forever. So here's the final point and then I'll say one more thing. The final point is this. When this world ends, Jesus will give everyone what they wanted in this life. Life with him or without him. Friends, 
Heaven is real. Heaven is yours. It's your inheritance, won for you by Jesus Christ. And here's the cool thing. Since you're still here, your time's not up yet. And now is the time to stay closer to Jesus and to value what he values. Stay close to his word and his forgiveness, and that grateful, joyful heart is ours through his daily forgiveness. Let's continue to get as close as possible to him now so that in heaven, we'll be celebrating that victory like none other. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reality that, that this life isn't heaven. Thank you for that. Lord, um, thank you that you've given us hope through this great tribulation, that you've given us forgiveness. And Lord, just let us really focus on not making this life heaven on earth or trying to make it. Let us focus on the fact that you've given us this amazing victory party and that you want us to value what you value right now. Value loving others. Value a grateful heart, a thankful heart, Lord. We thank you and we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.